Hello, listeners. Matt here. Hey, are you Pottern Family? Go on Twitter and search the hashtag Pottern Family or follow at Pottern Family to find a bevy of great podcasts, including this one. That's hashtag Pottern Family or at Pottern Family on Twitter. By the way, spoiler alert, this podcast will be talking about the most recent episode of the show that it covers. So if you're not caught up, come back when you are if you don't want to be spoiled. Don't worry, we'll be here waiting. Part of the Rewatching Good TV Network. It's Ragnar Cast, a Vikings podcast. And now here's your host, Matt Murdick. Hey there, and welcome back to RagnarCast, or if it's your first time with us, welcome to RagnarCast. It's episode 5 of the podcast where we are covering season 4, episode 5 of Vikings on the History Channel. The episode was titled Promise. It was written by Michael Hurst, directed by Helen Shaver, and first aired on St. Patty's Day, 2016. That's the 17th of March. I don't have the viewership for you. Uh, TVbythenumbers.com has not yet published the Thursday cable rating, so I can't give you the the viewership uh, from a final stance on Thursday, unfortunately. But maybe I can update you with that next week. Um, the show has been averaging a little over 2 million viewers uh, since it came back. So uh, it's doing pretty well in terms of the, the cable on Thursday nights. My name is Matt Murdick, and I am from ragnarcast.wordpress.com. That's R-A-G-N-A-R cast.wordpress.com. That's your one-stop shop for all things this podcast, like the back episodes of the podcast. If you can't find them on your regular podcatcher links, you should be able to, but if you can't, you can always find them there. You can also find polls where we rate the episode on a scale of 1 to 10, I ask you viewers to visit the website and do that each week when we get a new episode. I always put up the poll on Thursday mornings before the episode airs and leave it up until Sunday mornings. That's when I usually record these podcasts. It also has podcatcher links and social media links. And speaking of those podcatcher links, please take the time to leave me a review on iTunes. Uh, I did not get a chance to check the iTunes or whatever, actually, whatever podcatcher you use. Just leave me a written review uh, and I will try and find it and uh, thank you for it at this part of the podcast. I didn't get a chance to this week. I'm really tight with my schedule this week, unfortunately, due to touring. But uh, I thank you all if you do leave me a review on iTunes because it helps me fine-tune this show, see what you like and what you don't like about the show, and, and that way we can make it better for all of us. You can also always let me know how you feel about the show or anything I say or about the episodes of the television themselves by sending an email to RagnarCast, same spelling, R-A-G-N-A-R, cast, at gmail.com, or you can tweet at RagnarCast on Twitter, or you can leave a voicemail by calling 314-669-1840. 
And any kind of feedback that you offer for the podcast or about the episodes, I will include in our shows. That's why I give everybody a couple of days to uh, think about the episode and send in feedback before I record. Plus, it fits my schedule a little easier as well. Also, just a real quick spoiler alert, I am including all information from everything up to this point of the series when I talk about things. So if you're not completely caught up, you may want to come back after you have caught up. I'll still be here. You can always find all of the episodes at ragnarcast.wordpress.com. That's enough about the podcast. Every week we start off the podcast with what we call our Ragnarisms. That's our favorite quotes from the episode or our favorite little bits from the episode. And we had a few submissions this week, like, for instance, from at CutePoison10 on Twitter. Uh, she called it the eunuch chat and also wanted to include the Lagatha moment as a bonus. We also, uh, in the form of a voicemail, had from Bridget the talk between Bjorn and King Finehair about King Finehair's ambition. And also from at Bridge579, uh, and we, I kind of share this one with that person as well, the rooftop conversation between Ragnar and Idu. Here's all that for you. I want to know about your father. My father was a, m a merchant, well-respected, rich enough to own a boat. What about the emperor? Tell me about him. The emperor had many daughters mm. with his wives and concubines. His concubines were looked after by the palace eunuchs. Eunuchs? Men who are not men. Why are they not men? Their manhood was cut off. I don't like that. No, they didn't like it either. Come and sit with me. We should talk to one another. You don't trust me. I have no reason to trust you. You have told me of your ambitions. I will never give you any cause to kill me. That is not for you to say. I may find cause where others may not. Who knows? What are you thinking about? Paris. You must be excited to be going back. I feel so old. When I was young, I had the passion to win, but now, with age and all that comes with it, I have lost the desire and the strength. A few years ago, I established a settlement in a distant country where I took many of my people and friends to make a new life for themselves. But shortly after my departure, they were all slaughtered their homes, destroyed and burned. I live with such guilt because of it.
nobody knows. My father's the emperor. So that's just some of the good stuff in this episode, and we're going to start talking about it now. And I have to start the discussion really with the end of the episode and Lagatha. Now, even though that was the Lagatha that I love that we saw at the ending, I have to say that it did take me completely by surprise that she did kill Calf at that moment. That seemed a little weird because, I mean, the episode was really careful to show her kind of reading Calf almost trying to feel him out. And I, I kind of got the feeling about almost trying to put him off about the marriage before she evidently agreed. I, I really didn't think that she was going to go that far yet. Maybe you could say that she ran out of choices. Uh, you know, it was kind of the last straw because that might have sealed his power a little bit too much. And if you look at the rest of the stuff this season with Lagatha, you see that maybe this has been the plan all along. Because when she sees that Calf is willing to destroy all of her enemies within the village for her at the very beginning, then really she only has him left to face in order to restore herself back to power completely. And we never really learned if there was any urging by her to kill all of the dissenters at the beginning of the season or not. But if there was, then she's really been playing a pretty excellent long game. And even if she wasn't, then she took a, 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 the opportunity that that presented in being able to get back at Calf for taking her earldom in the first place, I guess. And we see her earning his trust and, and love all through these last few episodes up to the end of this episode. And... I'm not sure if she's actually pregnant or not. That may not be the case. Uh, that may be a lie. But you also have to think that just like we saw on the scene this week, she's been training her shield maidens. And uh, that would indicate that she was ready to make this move at some point. She wants to make sure that she's uh, well protected in case any of the other citizens might rise up after Calf is dead. So she pretty much covered all of her bases. Well, except for Erlander. And I, I don't know, given that Bjorn has found out about the ring, um, I have a feeling he will either warn her or he's going to take care of that himself. So I'd say that Lagatha is pretty much in control again, and that's good to see. Now, where her story goes from here, 
who knows? Will she join Ragnar uh, and the group to go back to Paris? We will have to see uh, what happens with all of that. And, and I mentioned uh, Bjorn and Erlander's ring, so let's let's talk about Bjorn real quick. His discussions with Finehair and even his own father, coupled with his obsession with that map, that seems to indicate to me that he may be ready to kind of break out on his own pretty soon. I, I think that talk with Finehair inspired his own ambition a little bit as well. But unlike Finehair, it, it almost feels to me like, you know, especially with the emphasis on that map, that he's wanting to make his kingdom somewhere else. The only thing that I have to th- say as to why that might not happen anytime soon in the series Vikings anyway is Ragnar's Valhalla vision where Bjorn is at very least pretty badly hurt and that still obviously hasn't happened yet Um, and I think that it will because we saw Ragnar's vision with uh, Aslog where he hit her and, and she went down that happened exactly like he saw it so Um, things still don't look great for Bjorn, but once he gets past that, if he gets past that, then we can say that he's probably going on to uh, become the historical figure that we know him as, uh, because that that would make the perfect way to end his storyline for this series, or maybe even continue his storyline separate from the rest of them. I don't know. Then you have that whole bit with him and his dad really about, him not taking care of Siggy or that taking Torvi away from her son was not right. And I really felt like he kind of held his own. He, he held his own pretty well in that conversation. But what was more striking to me was the way Ragnar then really kind of backed off. And I think the reason for that becomes more apparent for Ragnar as we go along. And I'll talk about that you know, a little bit later. But finally, you have that bit with Torvi where we see he's still playing it pretty smart, actually. He's not saying much to anybody about anything. Um, He's not divulging any information. And it's a good thing because we learn that Torvi is going to feed Erlander information in exchange for keeping her son safe. He's evidently threatened her son, that little slime ball. But one problem that I have with that is we never saw Erlander threatening her son like that, did we? Um, at least not in case of exchanging information with Bjorn. Um, and Bjorn basically took Torvi away right out of that one scene. Um, so I, I don't know how or when that conversation could have even happened. So that's kind of a slight nitpick, unless Erlander's just lying. But anyway, we still see that Bjorn is keeping a lot of stuff away from Torvi, like what's going on with the map. And I... It, I It doesn't really matter whether that's out of smartness or if even if it's just dumb luck. It's definitely a good thing, right? And Torvi even tells him that he's not being open with her. And he basically lies to her and tells her that he is. And finally, I guess if Bjorn didn't know 100% that the ring was Erlander's, he certainly does now. And that look that he gave after uh, she said that, after Torvi told him whose ring it was, that's pretty menacing, so... We're going to have to see how that goes. Since we're talking about Bjorn and the map, he would likely have to sail by Francia to get to the Mediterranean, I guess. So let's talk about Paris. I think that there's a heck of a lot more going under the surface here that we're supposed to pick up. But 
in a lot of ways, it, it clutters and confuses things as well. Like, let's just talk about the reveal that Teresa and Roland are brother and sister, right? I mean, <laughs> it feels very Game of Thrones, very Jamie Lannister, Cersei Lannister kind of stuff. But on the other hand, do take into account that throughout history, there were a lot of European nobles who couldn't really keep their hands off their siblings or other family members. So it may just be a tribute to that, because actually that's what Jamie and Cersei Lannister are. Um, that was George R. R. Martin's kind of uh, European noble trope thing going on uh, in Game of Thrones as well. So um, it makes sense that Vikings would do the same thing, I suppose. But look at, at Gisla and Rollo, and she's basically asking him to kill Odo when Ragnar comes to invade Paris. I mean, is that right? Is that is that the subtext of that? She was saying an enemy might stab him from behind. And Rollo, of course, just vehemently disagrees, saying that no no one should do that. And she basically says that, but you're not a Viking anymore. Maybe a Viking wouldn't do that, but you're not a Viking anymore. But the thing that I keep coming to is that Roland, Therese, and Gisla are all actually working towards the same end. Are they working together? Is that something that we should ask? I mean, is it possible that Gisla, she has openly condemned her father? Maybe she wants the throne for herself and she feels like one way to do that is to eliminate Odo. Uh, and if she's in asking Roland and Therese to help her, everybody gets raised in status. She might become queen and whether she really cares about Rolo or not, who knows? But she would become queen. Maybe Roland raises to Odo's position. There is a possibility that there's some um, coordination there. Then again, there's also the possibility that uh, Roland and Therese have their own separate ambitions from Gisla, and they're, they're not related at all, but they all have the same target of Odo. But then you have the emperor himself. And yes, he's whiny, he's whimpering, um, he's you know seemingly a coward through all of the, the Roland and Therese presentation, but he does dispatch them to keep an eye on Odo. Yet, when they leave, he has this strange smile as they go. So I have to wonder, is it possible that we should give him more credit than we think he deserves at the moment? Uh, is he thinking steps ahead and seeing this as a move on himself? Uh, not that Odo is particularly moving towards his chair, but that people on the outside are just trying to move up by eliminating Odo and possibly eliminating him all, as well. Is he seeing the larger game? And could it be, you know, we wondered if Odo knows what Teresa's up to. Could it be that he has informed the emperor? Is it possible that, that they're working together even to, to thwart Roland and Teresa or, or even Gisla's plan? So there's a ton of stuff to think about. And then even when Roland's in bed with Gisla, he, he mentions that he wants to go to, to the lands up north and be on the beach. Um, that would seem to indicate that whole Normandy lands thing that the historical Rollo uh, ruled over. So um, this is uh, actual kind of a nod to the historical Rollo. And that would seem to be the last way to erase any kind of possibility that he might be part of a large ruse to, you know, to actually back Ragnar's play when Ragnar comes to town. 
Uh, it doesn't seem like it's possible anymore. I mean, he truly has stopped becoming a Viking the way Gisla has. If everything is the way it looks, he, he's even still giving Odo advice on how to protect Paris. So it, it's really hard to say that he hasn't totally betrayed the Vikings. On the other hand, I never stop holding out hope that this may be some kind of long con. Because either way, Ragnar is coming. Well, at least seemingly. You know, with those stains from the drugs Edu has been feeding him still on his mouth, he does say to Feinherr and his brother Halfdan, or he does confirm to them that they're going to Paris, right? And now he, he is making these public appearances while he's still so obviously hopped up on whatever the stuff Edu has given him. You have to worry that he is exposing himself not only to Feinherr, and to Halfdan, but also to Aslog and Floki, that he himself has weakened. He's not showing up for feasts. You know, he's backing down from his son on something that he would normally never back down from. And the rooftop conversation that he has with Idu, the whole conversation about him having losing his fire for winning, um... That could be huge in a couple of different ways. Because if it's true, then it could be a big opportunity for Aslog and Finehair. I, I wonder, you know, it, I still kind of part of me believes that Edu is still in league with Aslog in some way. Especially when you look at the way that she gave that look to Ragnar when he was taking more drugs. But... If it is true, then Ragnar is in a really bad spot because, to me, he's clearly addicted to this stuff and he will lose his kingdom if he if he lets that overrule him, in a way. On the other hand, we see that during the discussion about Idu's father earlier than the rooftop scene, Ragnar is still very much on his game enough to know that the story about her being the daughter of a merchant isn't true. I think what we're supposed to gather from all of Edu's stories now and the way it was put together this week is that she was one of the concubines' daughters. Um, so she was never included really in the royal family. She was a bastard as of sort. And with that tear, I wondered if that meant that maybe her emperor father had sent her away, had sold her to slavery because she was a bastard. Uh, maybe there was some problem with that. You know, the eunuchs took care of the concubines because, you know, he doesn't want anybody else having sex with him except himself, the emperor, I mean. But um, maybe the concubines and their bastards became too troublesome. Maybe she was sold into slavery by her own father. And maybe that's where that tear came from. Um, so that's where I think Edu's story is. Then again, you could say that that tear is she's sad because Ragnar has has won her over yet she still has to be in league with Oslog in some way uh, maybe it's a, a a possible thing that she's you know she's sad that she has to betray him because she feels like that he's given her information but on the other hand is he because all of this stuff about losing his fire and everything um I don't know I mean, if it's true, then it's really bad for, for Ragnar and his kingdom. But is he playing one last long game? Is he telling everybody what they want to hear so that they will try to 
usurp him or whatever, and he has another plan in place to thwart that once it happens. Is he setting all of this up? Is he setting up something so that he can be rid of Aslog, so that he can be rid of Floki, so that he can be rid of any threat like a King Finehair or whatever? It's hard to say. Now, we know what history tells us, but uh, this is a television show also. So, uh, you know, it's very possible that Ragnar could be playing this long game. And I just kind of wonder, what do you all think? Is Ragnar playing everybody else? Is he just trying to suss out the possible connection between Idu and Aslog or uh, any th- any kind of possible attempts to overthrow him? And if it isn't, if he isn't playing the game, then is it also possible that what happened with Ivar and, and that other child, the, uh, Ivar and the Axe, could that possibly wake him up from this apparent daze or, or lack of passion? Will this be the thing that triggers him back if he is lost? actually lost and none of it is a ruse will this be the thing to wake him up and i'll get to the ivar thing in a second um i do have one last final thing to say about uh about ragnar and edu and and listen ladies and and folks who just appreciate travis um you know his sexiness or whatever i i I know you're going to come down on me this on this i know you are but i have to say that i got extremely bored with the Edu bath scene. Really. Seriously. I mean, wow. Ragnar's got a foot fetish. Okay. Wow. Ragnar knows how to please a girl, you know, with his hands and with a knife, evidently. And I guess I was maybe the one thing that was supposed to be exciting for me was, well, Ragnar had that knife. He could have cut her throat, but instead he just gave her a haircut and a kiss. Now, like I said, I'm I'm sure for some of you it was pretty exciting, and and I don't blame you. You know, sexy Ragnar has always been a thing for the lovers of Ragnar in this show, but I just felt it was a little drug out too long, and for no other reason than to give the episode length. It didn't really, we didn't really. It was an unnecessary scene um, because it was mainly just an over-exaggeration of the question that the dialogue and the rest of the episode demonstrated anyway. Is Ragnar lost, or is he playing everyone? And it really just comes down to that. So the scene was to be nothing but eye candy. And as long as we look at it like that, then I'm okay with it. I'm just saying that, you know, I could have done without the three or four minutes myself. Um, and you can send your hate mail to ragnarcast at gmail.com. And as for the rest of Kattegat, I mean, King Finehair has lots of boats and men, and his interest in Floki would seem to indicate that he wants more boats, right? And again, Aslog not only seems unworried about the fact that Finehair and his brother have taken an interest in Floki, but she actually seemed a little pleased with that little toast of hers. So I wonder if she is actually, you know, we talked about last week when Finehair came in, it almost seemed like she was willing to let fine hair take over until Bjorn showed up. So I wonder if she's still considering some way of allowing fine hair to take over and placing herself with him instead. But to me, that wouldn't seem any better than placing herself with Ragnar unless she just feels like Ragnar puts her in her place too much and fine hair wouldn't. That would be the only seeming difference between them. Unless I'm missing something, am I? And and speaking of Floki, he, he seems pretty much 
back to himself for the most part in this episode. Even even though we didn't get any indication that he's continued talking to the seer or if anything else was said between them. I kind of hate how they just kind of just drop that in there and we don't know anything more about it right now. That's the way TV works, though, sometimes. But he did have that little jab about killing Ragnar's favorite Christian, and he was pretty unapologetic about that, almost kind of coming back to a season three kind of Floki. But then you have what happened with Ivar, and even Floki was shocked by that. And yet Aslog, I don't know, by first coddling Ivar about going out and playing, and then about what he did, I I just don't know what to think. And even Ivar was horrified by what he had done. Once he had kind of, I guess, realized he had the power to actually kill that boy with the axe. I'm not sure that he thought that he did have that kind of power until he actually did it. I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of historical or or tale, epic poem or, or something about Ivar doing that. Um, so I don't know if that's supposed to be a representative of, of some kind of actual historical or, or literature kind of event or not. Uh, but he certainly didn't seem very happy with himself even after he did it. And then Aslog was just coddling him after he did. Uh, like I said, I wonder if this will be an event that will wake Ragnar up if he is indeed just in, in a drug daze. Um, if he's just playing a game, then you would think he would have to break the game in order to do this. Or would he, if he is playing a game, will he have to stay uninvolved? It's it's just a weird, uh, it's a weird set of circumstances uh, that everything is coming to this season. I love it. And I guess the only thing that I haven't covered is Wessex. So let, let's get over there. And I can proudly say that at least I've made one correct prediction that Aethelwood would be beating himself for his sins with Quinthrith. We saw that. Flog, flog, flog away, Aethelwolf. <laughs> um, it also seems that Judith listened to me when I just proposed, you know, exactly what she said, you know, just have Aethelwolf go off with Quinthrith and, and Eckbert and Judith can be together and everybody can be happy. And I don't know if that really dissolves any of the domestics or not, but it seems to have solved it for now. Well, I guess for everyone except Ayla, and and, and Judith is still sticking it to her dad, uh, even as he's leaving to to raise his version of the army for Mercia. Speaking of that, we did get a name for W also, Wigstan, who, according to a little bit of history research that I did, he did have royal lineage, but evidently declined his succession to the Mercian throne in order to pursue a, a religious life and some monastic orders instead. But this guy that they talk about, they talk about him being a warlord, doesn't sound very religious to me. Um, but there's really nothing else that we know about Wigstan, at least according to the wiki that I read, um, other than it seems that some people think of him as a, a saint. Um, I suppose what it all means, really, is that the show, if they're going to bring him actually into the show, they can pretty much do with him whatever they want. Because they've set him up to be this warlord. They could have him have a run where he becomes a monk or whatever. I don't know how they're going to do that, uh, if they do it at all. But at any rate, 
Quinthrith is is pretty bent on invasion, and it seems to me that Eckbert's initial reluctance to that was kind of a little staged. I think he wanted the invasion too. But again, <laughs> isn't everything Eckbert does a little stage? And that kind of brings me to that scene in the church. And man, that was awesome. The scene in the church was so good. I mean, in terms of the language or, or the, the beauty and poetry of it, it wasn't Shakespearean in any sense. But the drama of it certainly was Shakespearean to me. And it was just too fantastic. It was a great monologue. Uh, Linus Roach is just so good as that character. And to me, at least, it's seemingly more clear that his invasion of Mercia is with the intent to annex it for himself. I think Quinthrith has the right of it when she says that she and him are, are too much alike in some ways. But the thing is, is now Quinthrith really is somewhat powerless to do anything about it. Unless we see Aethelwulf perhaps step in. Um, that may be her only hope. And, and as far as Eckbert and Judith go, I mean, I wonder if he's just giving the, her this ring to placate her a little bit. I mean, does he really have that much invested in Judith herself? I, I never can get a read on that with Eckbert. Uh, I get weird vibes every time I, I see him doing this. If, is it pure manipulation? Um, is she actually winning him over? I just do feel like that there is some kind of envelope that Judith was going to push on too hard eventually. And Eckbert will become Eckbert again as, as far as she is concerned. I mean, yes, Eckbert does have interest in her son, obviously, and in, in Quindra's son, Magnus. But I don't think he has near as much interest in either of the boy's mothers as he does the sons. And he even admits to God that his ambition is going to win out no matter what. So crazy, crazy stuff. I can't wait to see. I didn't think I would be interested in a storyline that had nothing to do with the Vikings at all. I, I really thought, you know, I was kind of like, oh, why are we here? Why are we in Wessex? Um, it's turning out to be one of the better stories to me. Although the Paris story really kind of amped up itself too this week at least for me in terms of the intrigue. So uh, let's get to my rating then. And it, all in all, it was a pretty darn good episode. The Lagatha stuff was fantastic. Um, the rest of the Europe stuff, like I just said, it's fairly intriguing. The Paris stuff, the the Wessex stuff. And, and Kattegat had some interesting turns too, I guess. I think the episode had some things that I could have done without as well, obviously. But I don't think it hurt the episode too much as i said if i just treat it like eye candy then i can i can get past it um now for me this week this episode wasn't quite as good as last week's um I, i'm feeling really weird with my ratings lately it, it just it's hard to put a number on it and even if this episode to me wasn't quite as good as last week's it still was pretty darn close so I, like 8.3 8.4 somewhere in there for me for this week. And I've got a couple of three word descriptions for you. So why don't we get to that and some of your three word descriptions of the episode as well. That's next. Three little words. Oh, what a 
give for that wonderful phrase to hear those three little words. Hi, this is for Ragnarcast, and my name is Bridget, and I'm calling from the Oregon coast. And so the three words are bear, burdened, and bummer. Bear for Bjorn, because I found out Bjorn means bear, and burdened for Ragnar, and bummer, because Gisla is completely right. Rolo, you are no Viking. All right. Thank you, Bridget. So, bear, burdens, bummer. Very good. Uh, I like the way you relate to each of those words to a different character in the story. I'm kind of bummed about Rolo not being a Viking, too. I do hold out hope, though. I do hold out hope that there's some play being played here. Because I don't want Ragnar to just kind of fizzle away. I want there to be some meaning behind Rolo's badness. Um, other than him just being bad. I don't know. I mean, I am losing hope, though. I am. My three words. Let me go with mine next. Uh, surprise me again is one set that came to mind for the whole episode in general but it was mostly due to the ending i'm still trying to wrap my head around that as to whether you know that was a a sudden move or whether that was a a long-term play Uh, but i think it was a long-term play but also that whole thing about uh torvi being a plant that was totally by surprise and and not a very good surprise actually um but willingly or unwillingly she's she seems to be a plant for erlander Edu being the Emperor's daughter, that I guess you could say was somewhat of a surprise. And of course, the Roland and Therese being brother and sister. I'm not sure if I actually believe that or not, but the reveal was a surprise either way. I could even probably make uh, three words more specific to, to Ragnar and Edu themselves with uh, the rooftop reveals, I guess. So there we go. Um, let's get to some of yours here. Uh, first of all, in a DM from at two fangirls, that's the number two fan and girls with a Z at two fangirls who said, wow, wow, wow. This episode surprised and shocked me. My three words are play the game. Everyone is playing their own game, but who will prevail and who is the best player? It was like watching a chess game unfold. Ragnar is losing. I think that Edu is playing him. And very well, I must say. Roland is not as good a player as he thinks. And while Teresa's his sister, I shouted what out loud on that one. Lagatha is by far one of the best players, and I did not see her killing Kalf. But wow, she is such a great character. I do, however, see Bjorn as the ultimate winner this season. You can really see the Lagatha in him. All right, great. Thank you so much. At Two Fangirls on Twitter. Another tweet from at CutePoison10, our friend Christine. Ragnar's seduction technique. Ah, a fan of the bath scene, I see. Well, I hope I didn't offend you with my lack of fandom for the bath scene. Anyway, uh, email from Angel, who says, So I cannot help but thinking how Ragnar has been keeping away from gatherings and overall interactions with others. He has been overoccupied with contemplating life and death as he has been preparing the viewers to a Viking series without him. So my three words are Ragnar phased out. The show would not be the same without him. He is such a central character that I would hope the series would not unravel without him and be canceled. Heck, 
Even his influence was the cause of your podcast name. (laughs) But personally, I would like the show to continue to cover their little-known exploits in Baghdad and Constantinople. Wow, I didn't realize the Vikings got that far. And yes, Ragnar is the, uh, the namesake of this podcast, obviously. Ragnar phased out. That's good. Um, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know what, how they're going to do anything. I, we know now that the show has been renewed for Season 5. Yay! Renewed for Season 5. They're going to get 20 episodes for Season 5, by the way. So uh, perhaps I should make my Frig of the Week me and Viking Season 5. Um, but we'll get to our Frig of the Week. That's the best coupling of the week next. Ragnarcast, and my name is Bridget, and I'm calling from the Oregon coast. So, Frig of the Week, okay, I know this is going to sound shocking, but Ivar and the Axe, this is going to change that child's life. Ivar and his Axe. Thank you, Bridget. You know what? Uh, It really wasn't that weird. You know why? Because I was actually thinking the exact same thing. That's what I was going to go with until I got your voicemail. I guess instead I'll go with Eckbert and Candles, because that candle made him hot, but he still kept his cool. No, 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 that was cheesy. Uh, what we try to do is we try to come up with the best coupling of the week, the best coupling of the episode. It can be a person and an object. It can be two people. It can be a person and a concept um, like this. How about Eckbert and his ambitions? He's certainly in love with his ambitions. Clearly, he's much more in love with his ambitions than he even is with his God. And clearly, he wants Mercia and Quinthrith's and Judith's children all to himself. So there's an example of a person and, an, uh, I guess, a concept. How about a person and an object? Maybe I'll go Alinder and his crossbow again. I've already done that once. But now, now with this new little bird eye scope or whatever he can literally gaze into its eyes (laughs) okay yeah Matt's not too good at the frigs of the week this week is he anyway uh, let's get to some of yours at cute poison 10 says Ragnar and Edu also we should note that Christine rated it an 8.5 out of 10 very good thank you Christine Uh, at cute poison 10 again on Twitter she's way into like lost game of thrones uh, all kinds of great shows, Vikings obviously, so follow her for some fun and insight into good television. Also, uh, at two fangirls, that's the number two fangirls with a Z, said Lagertha, 
and her dress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, wow. It, 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 but she ruined it. I mean, is that real love to ruin a dress like that? I mean, come on. Yeah, but thank you very much for the submission at Two Fangirls. I like it. And finally, via email, Angel says, My Freak of the Week is Ragnar and his legacy. He was the one who found the way to riches in the West. He was the one who had the resource of Floki to build amazing ships to conquer territories. He is the one others compare themselves to. He's the one others want to overthrow. All right. Thank you, Angel. Also, Angel rated the episode a 7. Interesting. Uh, And that is it. We do have a little more feedback. We've got another email from Angel in response to last week's podcast, as well as a tweet from Keep Poison 10, and a voicemail from Bridget, as well as your poll results. So we'll get to that next. Hi, this is for RegnarCast, and my name is Bridget, and I'm calling from the Oregon coast. And so I wanted to get through with the business right offhand. Um, on the voting, I gave this episode called Promise 8 out of 10, and based, I would have given it 7, except I gave one extra for Ibar because at least someone threw an axe. And so the three words are bear, burdens, and bummer. Bear for Bjorn, because I found out Bjorn means bear. And burdens for Ragnar and bummer because Gisla is completely right. Rolo, you are no Viking. So Freak of the Week. Okay, I know this is going to sound shocking, but Ivar and the Axe. This is going to change that child's life. And the best quote I liked came from King Harold Finehair when he was talking to Bjorn. And he says, I will never give you any cause to kill me. And Bjorn answers, that is not for you to say. That is so cool. And I did really like Bjorn in this episode. I know he's looking at that map and he's going to leave. And I understand. I can see he is not king material. But Ube, on the other hand, I love those shots of him passing through the halls, surveying his future kingdom. But back to Bjorn. Torve has to know that Ellinger will kill her, will kill her child for telling Bjorn about the ring, right? And speaking of rings, is that really King Eckbart's wife's ring? That is going to put Wolf right over the edge. I can see a future Aethelwolf-Quinrith alliance growing into something political. And uh, I'm holding judgment on Yidu, daughter of the Emperor. But, but is she getting Ragnar addicted? I'm just really curious about that. Um, I'm glad Agathar killed Kalf. But why the wedding thing? Was it shock value or was there something in a past season that I had forgotten? Is this the season... The Game of History Channel Thrones. Anyway, I did like this episode better than the last. And uh, I think that they sensed that the shield maiden in me was getting uh, was getting a little bit irritated. So, to new friendships. Skull! And skull to you, Bridget. Thank you very much for calling in and giving us all that good stuff. Yeah, I, I've got an email coming up where somebody pointed out to me that uh, Bjorn means bear. 
Bjorn, Bjorn. It depends on, uh, I guess, how what language uh, you're using, but it's all about the bear. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of significance in all of that as well. Um, as far as Torvi goes, maybe she feels like that's the way that she could. I, I mean, if Bjorn knows and Erlander doesn't know that he knows, maybe she feels like that's the way that uh, she can get her son back. Uh, is the only thing I, I can think of. Um, I'm not sure exactly any other reason that she would tell Bjorn that, other than, you know, that's a surefire way to get her boy back if he goes and kills Erlander for some reason. Because I don't know if she knows what happened with Bjorn. Evidently not. He doesn't talk to her about anything, but it's an interesting prospect. Um, on the other hand, like I said, it wasn't, I don't know when Erlander would have told. Torvi that she had to report on Bjorn or otherwise he would kill the son. I don't know when that happened. Did it happen in season three? Cause it certainly it doesn't seem plausible that since Bjorn came in and then walked out with Torvi that he had any opportunity to say anything to her then. So is Erlander, is he lying? I, I don't have any idea. Uh, somebody's going to have to refresh me. I don't remember if he had made that threat. Maybe he did in season three. Maybe that's when that threat was made. Um, somebody write in, correct me. Um, and yeah, a lot of Game of Thrones uh, connections this episode, really, when you think about it. Um, but again, remember that George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire is based on medieval history. A lot of it, uh, mostly the War of the Roses than anything, which was a little later, I guess. But or was that around the same time? I don't remember. I'm no good with history. I really am not. So people have to help me out with that, too. But anyway, uh, the comparisons are always going to be there, I think, especially as we get further out of the Viking culture and more into the European cultures. Um, so thank you very much, Bridget. Uh, and as far as. Ragnar being addicted to the drugs, that's something that Acute Poison 10 asked as well in Twitter. Uh, first of all, here's a Game of Thrones reference. She says, Eckbert is the new Littlefinger. Hmm, that's pretty good. Except I, I think Eckbert is a little better than Littlefinger, to be perfectly honest. Because Littlefinger um, maybe has some weaknesses that Eckbert does not. At any rate, Acute uh, Poison 10 again it asks, is Ragnar going to become addicted to the drugs? And that's a good question. I think that it really depends on whether he is pulling a ruse right now on Idu and everyone in Kattegat. Um, the fact that he showed up in town with that stuff all over his face from having munched it would indicate that he doesn't care who knows about what he's doing. Now, is that because he's actually addicted? Or is that because he's trying to make everybody think that he's addicted? That's the question. So, uh, we, have to, we have to ask. Even that bath scene, which, as you know, you loved. I did not so much. There were those, those little fuzzies. You know, the out-of-focus bits. Which clearly indicated that they were both... that he, Well... Either he or both of them were under the influence of the stuff again. So there is a lot of usage. Is there addiction? I don't know. I don't know. 
but thank you very much for the uh, tweets at CutePoison10. And uh, finally, this email from Angel, who was responding to last week's podcast. He says, you brought up the fact that Bjorn fought the bear and it could have been a source of supernatural strength for him when he fought the berserker. It finally clicked that the bear was actually a metaphor for him wrestling with himself, his own self-identity. The word bear in Swedish is Bjorn, and in Danish or Norwegian, it's Bjorn. This show keeps giving different layers of meaning upon further review. I'm glad that you delved into a bit of the history as well. The Berserkers were actually special ops warriors who could get high on shrooms before fighting. They would go berserk on their enemies and cause total destruction. If you have Netflix, there is a whole episode about them in the Ancient Black Ops series. They talk about the battle at Stamford Bridge in Yorkshire. Interestingly, at around the same time, Rollo's Norman descendant was taking over the south of England. He, a worthy footnote in history, William the Conqueror, but I digress. All right. Well, thank you very much for the information and the email, Angel. Really appreciate it. And there's nothing left except to give the poll results here, which uh, there were four vote getters this week. 59% of you gave 8 out of 10 as the rating. That was a top vote getter. Uh, 9 out of 10 was voted on by 17%, and there was a tie for 12% each with 7 out of 10 and 10 out of 10. And that's it for the podcast, folks. Again, anytime you have any thoughts, I know sometimes I ask questions of you all. I'd love to hear your opinions or your answers because I'm not, uh, again, I've been touring a lot lately, so I've been too busy to do as much checking on or fact-checking on things as I would like or trying to remember past seasons uh, just out of the corner of my head. Um, sometimes I'm going to make some mistakes. So if I do, feel free to write in and correct me. That's Ragnarcast, R-A-G-N-A-R, cast at gmail.com. Or you can tweet at Ragnarcast, or you can call 314-669-1840, just like Bridget does. And I would appreciate any feedback you give for me. Don't forget ragnarcast.wordpress.com is your one-stop shop. That's where we'll have the polls that you can vote on, just like I gave the results for us a few seconds ago. That's where you can find all of the back episodes and any information about the podcast. And if you're liking this podcast and you got a friend who likes Vikings and podcasts as well, um, give me a little plug. Uh, tell tell your friends to come give us a listen and be part of this community. We've built up a pretty good community here. I'm getting consistent feedback, especially from Christine and from at two fangirls. I think that's Robin is their name uh, and Angel. Uh, I really appreciate it, but I would like to hear even more views from different people. And uh, hopefully as we go along, as this season goes along, we'll get more and more from more people. Hey, have I done enough plugging? I probably have. You probably already turned me off, but if you haven't, you can turn me off now. Take care. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Contact the podcast by emailing ragnarcast at gmail.com or by calling 314-669-1840. Tweet to the podcast at Ragnarcast. Please leave the podcast a written review on your podcatcher and find all back episodes and other links at ragnarcast.wordpress.com.